0: Welcome to the Storytime Clinic, where children's books and health collide. I'm your host, pediatrician Dr. Mfan Umarin. and every week I spotlight a children's book featuring a character with a health condition. My goal is to inspire conversations that will help all of us better understand and support kids with health conditions. hello hello so happy you can join us on this episode today welcome back we took a bit of a break last week for the fourth of july holiday weekend and i hope you all had a great time Uh, hopefully you got to spend some time with family or friends I spent this week on a beach vacation with some very close family friends who have three daughters. They're 15, 12, and 6 years of age. And we spent a little bit of time reminiscing on what it was like for the older girls when their younger sibling arrived. And I'm not going to embarrass my girls out here, but I can tell you there were some very funny stories. (laughs) So today's episode is all about siblings. In the United States, about four out of five people have a sibling. That means that there's many of us out there who've gone through the experience of meeting a little baby brother or sister for the first time. I'm a younger sibling myself, so I don't have personal experience with this. And my sister loved me from the moment she set eyes on me because I was the picture of perfection. So, (laughs) but I've been told that when the tiniest person in the house meets an even tinier person, there is bound to be drama. So as I was preparing for this episode, I turned to the source of all scholarly knowledge, YouTube for some insights into these first few precious sibling moments. And what I noticed was that there were several archetypes of these reactions. And I picked out some gems for you. So here we go. There was the excited sibling, the one who told his mom, guess what, mom? My baby brother's going to sleep over at my house, his house. <laughs> There was the sibling in disbelief who just could not imagine that this tiny little thing was a human being. He kept saying, she's not real. She's a doll. She's just a baby doll. There is the disappointed sibling who took one look at her baby brother and said, it's not a puppy. <laughs> there was the unfiltered sibling who looked at his little precious little baby sister and declared, she's ugly. And then followed by a sweet little kiss on her cheek. (laughs) There was the alarmist sibling who, while holding his little baby sister, all of a sudden looked up, eyes wide open, and goes, Okay, 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 get her, get her, she pooped. There was the checklist sibling who refused to hold his baby sister until he was coaxed and coaxed and coaxed and finally held on to her for a total of 30 seconds and said, there, I held it, it, and I'm never doing it again. (laughs) And then finally, the over it sibling, who after having her baby sister in the house for about three days, said, okay, mama, you can take her back to the hospital now. I'm done with her. (laughs) If only there was a return policy, right? Bring a new baby into the house could be a tough transition, and parents do their best to prepare little ones for this transition. But what happens when something about this arrival is unexpected for everyone? About 3 to 4% of babies born in the U.S. are born with birth defects. So that's about 120,000 babies born every year with some sort of defect. And today we'll be talking about one of the more common defects, that's cleft lip and cleft palate. Cleft lip and cleft palate are birth defects that occur when a baby's lip or the roof of the baby's mouth do not form properly during pregnancy. And to understand why this happens, we have to know how our faces form in the first place. So this happens really early on in pregnancy, within the second month. And the facial tissues grow in five sections which kind of grow forward and then fuse together to form the full face so imagine an orange that you've cut into five wedges so each wedge is going to represent a part of our forming face one of these pieces will become our forehead and part of our nose the pieces on either side of that will become our cheeks and upper mouth and the remaining two pieces will become either side of our jaw and lower mouth. So this is a very simplified representation of what happens, but basically these pieces grow and then fuse together to form the final face. And then now comes the famous rule of life. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Locking your keys in the trunk of your car Driving off after fueling your gas tank with your phone still on the roof of your car. Going on an international flight and forgetting the one item you most needed to bring. Not that any of these are personal life examples or anything. These are just things that I have heard from other people. (laughs) But anything that can go wrong will go wrong at one point or another. Bringing it back to medicine, many medical disorders are basically a result of something not happening that should have happened. In the case of cleft lip and palate, these face parts that we're talking about don't meet together and fuse like they're supposed to, leaving a cleft. A cleft is like a separation, a gap or a divide. So cleft lip means that the lip is separated and cleft palate means that there's a separation or a gap in the roof of the mouth. Cleft lip can happen by itself. Cleft palate can happen by itself as well although this is less likely, or they can be seen as a combination together. They can happen on one side of the mouth or they can happen on both sides of the mouth. So this is a unit one-sided versus a bilateral both sides of the mouth, cleft lip and palate. Why do these things actually happen? Well, a lot of times there's not really a clear reason why it's happened. We're not quite sure. There's still a lot of research going on to figure out the cause of these things. Sometimes there's a genetic component, meaning that there is a higher risk of this happening if there is another family member who has cleft lip or a cleft palate. So part of this can be inherited. Or other times there might be a mutation that causes this development process not to happen quite in the right way. And there are a few things that mom may have been exposed to during her pregnancy that may possibly increase the risk of these happening. So things like alcohol, cigarette smoke, some seizure medications, or not having quite the right amount of nutrients like folic acid. So there's just a couple of things that may increase the risk of this cleft palate happening, but a lot of times the cause just cannot be identified. Now, our faces are an important point of focus. So think about when you meet somebody. First place you tend to naturally focus might be their face. As you communicate with them, you're making eye contact, you are looking at their facial expression. These are important pieces of how we communicate and connect with each other. So naturally, a facial difference is going to be something that is noticed easily. And these can be challenging for families because of the reaction or the response that other people might have. It can be hard for new parents as they're sharing their baby with others. And this is something that is going to bring up a reaction or questions from an older sibling as well. So, today's book tries to tackle this specific issue. Jack's New Smile this is the name of the book. And it was written for brothers and sisters of a new baby with a cleft lip or cleft palate. It was written by a group of authors based at a children's hospital in Virginia, so, Children's Hospital of Richmond. The authors include Jennifer Rhodes, who is a craniofacial and plastic surgeon for kids. Craniofacial just meaning surgeries that have to do with the skull and with the face. Ruth treville Pease is a speech and language pathologist, and she is also the coordinator of the craniofacial program at Children's Hospital of Richmond in Virginia. And then Suzanne West is a nurse practitioner who also works within the craniofacial care program there. So these group of authors are very experienced and very well versed in the care of children with cleft lip and cleft palate. And so that kind of gives them some of that experience that they were able to tie into this book. So it's a cute little picture book um, written for, let's say, age groups, anywhere from three to eight years But this is a book that can be read to a child. And so that age group is really flexible and it can be used as well to start conversations with older children. So it's written from the perspective of Jack's older sister, who's welcoming him home from the hospital. And the illustrations in this book are really great. So the reader can see that Jack has a gap in his upper lip. That is the cleft lip. He also has a hole in the roof of his mouth, which is the cleft palate. So he has both a cleft lip and a cleft palate. Jack's sister is naturally curious about the fact that Jack's mouth looks different, and the book offers a way to explain things simply to a sibling. His lip didn't grow together while he was in mom's belly. And in a simple manner, the book also introduces some of the problems that can come with cleft palate. So (laughs) Jack's sister notices that Jack burps milk through his nose when he's feeding, which his sister thinks, ew, that's gross. But... Feeding difficulties are an important issue for babies with cleft palate particularly. So remember that cleft palate is kind of a hole in the roof of the mouth. And so the mouth actually ends up kind of being connected into the nose or into a nostril. Typically, the way that babies get milk from a breast or from a bottle, it requires them to create a bit of suction so that they're able to pull and kind of help the milk flow from the breast or from the bottle. So having a cleft palate, having that open area at the top of the mouth makes it difficult to create that suction. So most babies are not going to be able to breastfeed with this, and most of them are going to need to use a special type of bottle to feed. For example, one that can be squeezed by the person who's feeding the baby to get the milk to flow. So feeding is one issue that needs to be closely monitored for children with cleft lip and cleft palate. So this may involve having a nutritionist monitoring the child's growth and providing some guidance for the parents. And it may also involve a a speech therapist, despite the name speech therapists also help with feeding and swallowing issues and things like that. So again, they can also be a helpful resource to the parents. And what are some of the other problems that can arise? So the movement of our lips and of the roof of our mouth are very important in the way that our speech sounds. So a cleft palate might make a child sound different and sometimes difficult to understand. Some children with cleft palate can also have their gums affected. And so this can cause dental problems, so issues with how their teeth grow. So they might need some help from an orthodontist. These kids are also more likely to have ear infections and possibly have hearing problems as well because of the natural connection that we have between our ears and our mouths, which can also be affected in kids with cleft palate. So hearing tests might be a part of their routine care as well. So these are all the kinds of things that we need to keep track of. Very importantly, as we talked about, there is also the issue of cosmetics, so the appearance of the face. As we've seen with many of our previous conditions and previous books, kids who have noticeable physical differences are sometimes bullied or uh, treated differently by their peers. So these are all the things that we consider in the care of a child with cleft lip and cleft palate. Ultimately, because of all these issues, children with cleft lip and cleft palate may have to undergo multiple surgeries throughout their lives. A cleft lip, if the lip is involved, is usually repaired earlier on in life, sort of within the first three months of life. And the cleft palate, the hole in the roof of the top of the mouth, tends to be repaired later when the child is closer to a year old. If the child has a more severe cleft or a bilateral cleft, so a cleft on both sides of the mouth, then this may require more surgeries. Or if any of the initial surgeries have not healed well and are problematic, um, or if they are affecting the child's speech, those things may need to be revisited when the child gets older. So not only can this have an impact on the child who's undergoing these uh, hospital visits and surgeries, but it impacts the whole family. It impacts the parents and it impacts the siblings as well. So getting back to our book, Jack's New Smile, Jack does undergo a surgery to fix his cleft lip. And then we learn from his sister that his cleft palate is going to be fixed a bit later. And the wonderful thing about this book is that we see a visit to the doctor's office where the doctor is seen including and explaining to Jack's sister that Jack is going to have a surgery and kind of what she should expect out of the surgery. And That it's not going to hurt him and he's going to be given medications to help him um, stay asleep during the surgery. So it's a very little part of the book, but it's an important focus keeping the sibling in the loop. There was an article that I came across in the cleft palate craniofacial journal that looked at the impact of cleft lip and cleft palate on the unaffected sibling. So the psychosocial impact. And it was found that a lot of them had issues with um, some anxieties around their sibling because a lot of times they were left out of the process. Um, healthcare team understandably focused on providing adequate knowledge for the parents and uh, sometimes for the child with cleft lip and palate if they were old enough. But a lot of times the sibling just was not a part of these discussions. And so sometimes they felt uh some confusion. So why was their sibling away or in the hospital so often? Sometimes they just did not understand what they were going through. They were worried about how the procedure would affect their sibling. Um, they were worried about whether they would be in pain or hurting and sometimes they were not prepared for the aftermath of the surgery what the sibling was going to look like what they were going to go through in the recovery process and so those siblings that were interviewed mentioned that being involved and feeling included in the process is something that would have been quite helpful for them uh, some parents were also interviewed in this process, and they talked about wanting some additional support to explain cleft lip and cleft palate uh, to the child's siblings. One of the parents mentioned that it was it was hard for her to answer some of the questions that the sibling had because she didn't know the answers herself and she didn't quite know how to explain them in an age-appropriate way for the sibling to understand. And so they actually talked about wanting things like books or materials or things that would help a sibling understand the whole process and just put it in a bit of context for them. So I think that this book is a great uh, response to that need for the families just to have some preparation for that sibling. So when Jack goes to get his cleft lip repaired, his sister ends up staying with her grandparents while Jack's parents are in the hospital with him. And so this also touches on another issue, and that is the fact that because the child with the cleft palate might need so much additional attention in terms of having frequent medical appointments and having surgeries that might require a parent to be away. Um, the sibling also has to deal with a bit of separation from her parents. Sometimes this might lead to feelings of neglect by the sibling and this might turn into behavioral issues and acting out. So it's important for parents to be able to anticipate this a bit and to make an effort to give that child a little bit of additional attention when they are able to and um, just give them that, that reassurance. So this book was short and simple, but I think that it was a very effective kind of reminder that siblings are affected by Having a child who needs a lot of medical attention in the family, it filled a need in terms of helping to educate small children when they have a sibling who has cleft lip or cleft palate. There is also some additional helpful information in the back of the book, just a, a page um, that gives a little bit more in-depth information for a parent or a family member or somebody to have an overview of some of the difficulties that come along with cleft lip and cleft palate and kind of what to expect for the child, as well as some links to some additional resources such as the Cleft uh, Palate Foundation. So, again, the book is called Jack's New Smile, written by Ruth Trivelpiece, Suzanne West, and Jennifer Rhodes. And I highly, highly recommend this book if you have uh, any child in your family that has a cleft lip or a cleft palate. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. Share this episode if you have somebody that you think would benefit from hearing it today. All right. I will see you next week. For the show notes and links to the books I cover in this episode, please head over to the podcast website at www.storytimeclinic.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share this podcast with other people who may be interested. I'd also love to hear from you if you have book suggestions or health topics you'd like to see me cover. If you want to give me some feedback and help me make this podcast more valuable for you, you can leave a review on iTunes or send me an email at thestorytimeclinic at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode.